Hello, welcome to Skies and Currents. I'm Teresa Olfa and I'm here with Christina Funkhauser. Today is November 2nd, 2023, and we're going to be talking about the astrology of the coming week. Hello, Christina. <laughs> Hi, Tess. <laughs> How are you? I feel like I haven't seen your face in so long. I know. It's been kind of a surreal month. It feels like it's simultaneously gone by very, very quickly and also like it's been forever. Yeah, that's how I feel too. It's like the longest, shortest time. Mm-hmm. Um, like someone said that about parenting once a long time ago. It's probably like a book or something like that. But um, I that phrase has always stuck in my head, the longest, shortest time. Um, and that is totally how I felt about this last month and traveling and being in a totally different country and disconnected from everything. It was it felt in the moment very long, but it seemed like it passed by in a flash. Mm-hmm. How is, do you want to, I don't know how much time you want to spend talking about it. And I know that it was a really long trip and a lot of things happened. So I don't even know where to begin to ask you about it, but how was your trip? <laughs> <laughs> I know that's the hardest question to answer whenever anybody, like, I feel like whenever I go on any sort of trip it's a hard question to answer but this one was a particularly hard question to answer because it was such a spiritually driven a spiritually motivated trip so i was i spent the last month in nepal and traveling all over the country i was with my son and we were staying with my son's best friend's family and it was I mean, it was an incredible trip, but incredibly hard to describe because I basically spent at least, you know, 50% of the time there just visiting religious sites and religious pilgrimage sites and spiritual sites. So I felt like every every outing was incredibly profound in a way that is difficult to explain. Yeah, it was. So I had the privilege of hearing from you on whatsapp pretty regularly i think jeffrey was expecting us to kind of cut communication for a month and he was like what you guys are still texting (laughs) (laughs) but for me on my end i feel like every time i woke up and opened my whatsapp you were like i'm going to a new city i'm getting on a plane i'm traveling to this place i'm we're trying to get a car we're in this city we're going to this different part of the country i was like what how And then because of the time difference, it felt very hard for me to track. I was like, it feels like you're just going constantly. Um, But I think you, it was very thorough. It sounded very thorough. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things where Nepal is just saturated with power spots and sort of deeply significant spiritual um locations temples caves anything you could possibly imagine so it it was odd because it felt like i was doing so much and missing so much at the same time you know because actually i had a friend there or our mutual friend (laughs) was there at the same time and she was equally she was as busy as i was but doing completely different things i was like wait how how is that even possible um but it was it was pretty profound and it did feel like i i hit all of the places that i was meant to be in a way that felt very miraculous because i didn't plan very much 
um, I trusted my guides, um, my friends to take me around. And it's not like they are, you know, in the spiritual tourism industry, which there is a lot of there, I have figured out, but, you know, they're just, um, they, ha they're local Nepalese, but they haven't lived there for a really long time. Like they, they were born there and they recently moved back after living in the United States and Canada for a long time. And so they were equally excited to visit a lot of, um, the sort of spiritually meaningful places from their culture, their childhood th that they haven't been to in a long time or that they've been meaning to visit. And I kind of got to just flow into their stream and yeah, it was amazing. Um, and very difficult to, mm -hmm. uh, condense into any sort of brief explanation, but, um, yeah, it's definitely like, a Shiva saturated place. <laughs> um, for those who don't know, Nepal is um, Nepal is a location where uh, Tibetan Buddhism and Hinduism kind of flow together in this very organic, uh, like intuitive, organic way. That I, I don't think that the combination of the two the two traditions sort of layering on top of each other geographically, thematically, um, like just the two cultures sort of are intermixed in a way that is really interesting. And a lot of the spots that you visit are, um, are sacred to both Hindus and Tibetan Buddhists. And so <laughs> the combination of those two traditions coming together in one location just creates these profoundly densely powerful locations um and yeah to just have the privilege of being able to experience those places and to be hosted by people who are devoted to those traditions or it, it, it was just it was really wonderful and profound and i feel really lucky to have been able to go so yeah but now i'm back <laughs> and i feel I'm, I'm i'm pretty much over the jet lag as of maybe I don't know, yesterday. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, so it feels good. And Avi's doing really well too. My son, he he was so jet lagged when we first got back. Oh my God. He was passing out at like 3 p.m. Just he'd be like eating or playing and then he'd just <laughs> fall over asleep. <laughs> and wake up at two in the morning or one in the morning. I was like, oh no, this is a nightmare. But um, he's... I think Halloween readjusted him. Oh, right. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm so impressed that he did the journey. He's eight. It sounded like he went to a lot of the same places you did. Uh, it was a busy schedule for like, that was, that was pretty cool that he did that. Yeah, he was amazing. He did so well. And, but he also had his best friend there. So his best friend is Nepali. Um, but has lived in California most of his life and they went to elementary school together. And so it was like a, a reunification of Avi and Jay. And so it was just funny because like I'm visiting all these like profound places. I'm having these deep experiences and Avi is too, but it's just not on, it's not on the surface for him as much as it is for me. Like he's just, you know, getting all these blessings, like walking in and out of these beautiful, you know, 
thousands of year old temples, these power spots, like getting these darshans. And he's just like, oh yeah, this is cool. And then he goes back to his best friend and they're talking about like Pokemon <laughs> or Mario or Luigi or whatever. You know? So <laughs> he just had like his little world of friendship that he got to sort of merge back into. And he was in a new place in a new location, but he could also just recede into this this little world that they have Mm -hmm. between the two of them like kids do so yeah he he fared pretty well i think it's nice it's just i feel like one of the difficulties with traveling with children is um just that there's so many places in the world in public spaces that children are not wanted or not supported And so for you to be able to go visit a family where they know him and they love him and they have their own kid. I mean, it's just, it's so ideal, not just for you, but for, for all of you. So very nice. Yeah. It came together miraculously for sure. Um, And the flight back, oh my God, it was like divine intervention or something because we had an extra seat um, in our row. (laughs) On the flight back, it's like 16 hours and Avi just, passed out before the flight even took off he was so tired yeah (laughs) and he had an extra seat to lay down in like in his his own sort of bed and it was so funny because there's this really um charming friendly um kind flight attendant on the qatar airways flight that we were on and um about like three quarters of the way through the flight avi woke up and this this attendant is like pushing his cart down um down the walkway and he stops by my row and he just goes oh my god has he been there the whole time (laughs) (laughs) that was really funny (laughs) um yeah so all our brains were a little mush by the time we got back but it was still it was very very um auspicious that we got an extra we got the extra space Mm and avi wasn't just panicking the whole time um, about not having enough space. So, yay. <laughs> I feel like maybe, um, I, there were so many moments of that trip that felt so provo- profound and so relevant to my spiritual practice and to so many, um, concepts that we talk about here, but I feel like maybe they'll just organically come up when it's relevant mm-hmm. because, it's way too much for me to sort through and try to talk about specifically. Yeah, it's like it, it's like there's the moment and then there's the trying to to contextualize the moment. And it's really hard just to sit and do that <laughs> without Well, it's like I, I don't know. I was thinking about this um just a lot generally like when you have a spiritual practice and it becomes like a bigger and bigger slowly bigger part of your life um takes up more of your i guess conscious mind um it becomes like you have sort of less and less to say, you mm-hmm. know, in the world. And that's really challenging for me because I don't want to withdraw from my relationships or withdraw from, um, you know, communication. But I, I, I struggle sometimes with like the fact that so much of my energy, conscious mind 
is has gone within and the so much of the bulk of who I am has gone within I don't I don't, I don't always have much to say um because I don't know how to contextualize it. I don't know how to describe it and I'm so lucky to have you and other people we do the practice with to relate to but um but especially when I come back from like a big trip where everyone's like how was your trip <laughs> like it was crazy it's like trying to describe I guess a psychedelic trip or something mm-hmm. um not not quite you know it's not exactly like that but you know how do you deal with that? Like, I, I find it kind of a challenge um, in life. And I know for you, it's like even more intense. <laughs> it's, it's not anymore. It's it, so initially, I was never much of a talker. You know, speaking is not my favorite thing to do. So that wasn't um, a big thing to let go of. But there's a window of time where it is really hard to talk to people. Um, And I think it's several reasons. I think one is that you're sort of having a bit of an identity shift, you know, when you start putting more of your attention on your spiritual work. Um, And you don't really, you know, it's the spiritual world and the material world are in some kind of conflict and trying to figure out how you're going to be this person in the material world. It doesn't totally make sense. And then also, (laughs) anytime you're going to talk about spiritual stuff with the general public, you're not, it it doesn't tend to go well, right? Like you're going to come off as... (laughs) From any any tradition, from any perspective, it's just almost always going to be a very... Um, awkward conversation (laughs) if you start to go into any of the details any of the details at all it just becomes like okay like other people are like I'm gonna back off a little bit two steps back here Um, (laughs) so you know if you're conscientious you're gonna be aware of that Um, so you're not gonna want to talk too much about what you're going through or maybe you will talk a lot about what you're going through and then feel ashamed later and then really back off of what you're going through you know Um, so there's that issue, but then the other issue is that you're turning more and more and more of your attention into yourself and you're boring deeper into yourself. And then there's a lot of effort that it takes to come back out of there. So this is, this is, I think the big issue is that you are sort of so much of your energy is about going in and going down and going deep and then climbing back out of that pit to have interactions takes so much energy and you have nothing of value to add to a conversation so it just feels off to you you're like i'm i'm not present enough with this i'm not engaged i'm not offering enough to this um but but it's just a stage that i'm sure you could get kind of stuck in but ideally you move through it and you kind of Right. Work that muscle of going deep inside and coming all the way out. Like that's the ultimate goal. You want to be go be able to go all the way in, come all the way out, hopefully bring stuff back out <laughs> of value. Yeah, you're and, helpful. And, and for that and for yeah. that um kind of movement in your consciousness just to become effortless. Um and so that's it's a lot it's just a lot easier now for me. Like, I don't really have that same kind of 
and and they don't have like the same sort of uh self what is it when you're hyper aware of yourself because there's that initial stage when you're going into samadhi and your whole system gets thrown out of whack and so you become hyper aware <laughs> Of yeah. everything you're that like, you, everybody's everything gonna, you're doing, everyone's gonna, I'm high or exactly. on drugs or something. I swear you're, I'm not. You're like, and I, I can't even walk around normal. Yeah, yeah. It's the, it's yeah. the, where you just think everyone knows. Does everyone know that I'm being weird? Does everyone know that I'm being weird? What do I do to be normal? What is it to be normal? You know, but you know, so that goes away, and then you just sort of realize that people aren't expecting as much from you as you've been expecting from yourself yeah boy isn't that Mm -hmm. true um but yeah i mean nepal itself it's worth saying is like a (laughs) is like a very peaceful place um overall like i just i've never really been anywhere where like the threat of violence or the threat of like conflict or um it it felt so low Mm. you know like it was just um including here in california you know (laughs) um and so it was yeah it it is it is like i mean it's like compared to our western sensibility it is like hectic you know like there's a lot of crazy traffic and a lot of animals in the road and you know like the sense of personal space is not um the same you know like you're you're in the midst of more crowds it's 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 the energy is more hectic but in terms of just like uh yeah not feeling threat all all the time and and i don't even feel like the kind of person who is like constantly you know, looking over my shoulder or, or worried. Um, but, but it was tangible there, you know, to just to feel like, okay, we're, we're in a very peaceful sort of not violent place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that is like, definitely supportive to like the process of going deep in and, and coming out. Um, and then of course, also like, it, I was pondering, um, you know, pretty deeply the immense privilege of me being in that space, like at a time when the world had just fallen into, you know, horrific chaos and just the, um, you know, everything that's happening in, in Israel and, um, Palestine and just like feeling like, wow, like I, I feel like I'm, emerged in this very peaceful location um at a time when like violence and um the quality of violence and 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 sort of like just the awareness of violence in the world was so incredibly heightened for everybody else i mean i was getting like a lot of messages oh like we're thinking about you traveling at this time and and all that which is all which was very kind but I was like wow like i it's hard for me to even like articulate the strangeness of being here in this like incredibly peaceful place um at this moment so that was also an interesting part of that of that journey so um which yeah which leads us i think to the moment to the astrology um which 
jumping back into um, right now, I think we left off the last episode we did was about eclipse season. Mm. Um, and this eclipse season is, um, we, we talked about this a little bit in the last episode, um, but it's a little bit unique because um, it's, it's, not, it's actually not that unique, but it happens at the beginning and the end of the nodal shifts. So um, the North Node and the South Node, when they shift signs about every 18 months, the eclipses will get these split eclipses where the um, during eclipse season, which always has a solar eclipse and a lunar eclipse, um, we'll get them across sign boundaries. So what that kind of does is it makes eclipse season feel much longer. So normally eclipse season would just be one sun sign, essentially. So the moment the sun moves into uh, the sign of the eclipses, that begins eclipse season and it kind of ends when the sun moves out of that sign. But we're in this elongated eclipse season because the first eclipse we had was in Libra. Um, So on the Libra Aries axis. And now the last eclipse that we just had on um, Saturday, what is um, the final eclipse on the Scorpio Taurus axis? So we're kind of getting like two months of eclipse vibes. Um, And which sucks um because eclipse season is tends to be hard and murky and emotionally challenging but it's worth noting that the quality of the two eclipses is quite different so um what we had in in october um i believe it was on the 14th that was the beginning of um the eclipse series in Libra and Aries. So that was the first eclipse in Libra. So that eclipse had this sort of uh, initiation, uh, a quality of initiation. So beginning a new period of something. Um, Unfortunately, one of the big things it initiated is conflict. Um, And we talked about sort of Back in October, we talked about how eclipses on the Libra axis are always going to be, to a certain degree, about the Libra Aries axis are going to be a certain degree about rebalancing social dynamics. Um, And that with the South Node in Libra, there's this quality of like, something has to give in this situation, like the center can't hold, like this social dynamic is broken and everybody has to acknowledge it and there's going to be conflict over it. And so obviously that has taken the worst possible manifestation in the world, which is pretty um, common with astrology. Like you see when there's difficult astrology, you see the worst possible manifestation in the global arena. Um, but then within our own life, um, we see much more varied manifestations, you know, on the, on the individual level. So, so we had October, it was initiating a a new theme into the world, a theme that will last for better, or in, in some cases, much worse, um, for a year and a half. But then on Saturday, what we saw was the close of 
an old eclipse series. So this second eclipse, um, what, what we should be feeling over the next month is a shift in some part of our life that is bringing some themes of the last almost two years to a close. Um, and it's going to be different for everybody, but, um, I think we'll, we'll notice it over the next, um, month. And some people probably have already noticed it, um, arise in their life, but, um, on the Scorpio and Taurus axis, what we get are themes of like security themes of, um, like our resources. So things about like the stuff we have and need to sort of survive in the world, to thrive, to have, um, to orient our lives around, to, to, to feel solid in the world. Um, so yeah, so this, so this past Sunday, we're getting that, yeah, a closing out of those themes. Does that, does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Um, so yeah, eclipse season, unfortunately, isn't over, (laughs) but, um, but hopefully this, this last eclipse shouldn't, uh, be initiating anything, any new difficulty. Um, so yeah. When, so when would you say that this eclipse season is over? Is it sometime this month or is it the full 18 months cycle? Oh, <laughs> yeah. So there's an 18-month cycle with every eclipse series, um, but eclipse season is about a month. So like I said, this time it's like sort of pouring over two months. But um, but yeah, so this this particular season should end when Scorpio, when Scorpio season ends. So we're about 10 degrees of the sun into Scorpio. So we're about a third of the way through Scorpio season. So we have another two weeks of this eclipse murkiness happening. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know why I, I wanted to hit on the eclipses. Um, but there's a lot more to say about <laughs> what's happening with the astrology. Um, but how was the eclipse season for you? I mean, I, I was, I was in Nepal, so it just felt like, you know, a total eclipse of my life, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> everything went dark that I normally have. And I was just in a completely new place, um, initiating, you know, internal changes that are completely murky to me. So it was just, it was a very, very eclipse, big eclipse season for me, but not in a way that I can even fully like articulate or, or understand how it's going to play mm-hmm. out in my life from here. Um, I did a lot of remedial stuff for this eclipse season because the last two or three maybe were so intense that I really focused on you know, doing remedial work. And I was really, um, not that I'm not sad anymore, but I had a really sad couple days um, following October 7th. Um, Really sad week, maybe. But our personal life was really calm. It was very, very peaceful. You know, I didn't have 
we're just still moving in, so we're sort of in transition anyway. So it wasn't as though anything was disrupted. Everything was disrupt- was already disrupted, and we're kind of piecing it back together. And then I got all of this uh, dental work done that was pretty, pretty darn intense, I have to say. So I spent a lot of time uh, healing, but it was very, you know, it's good. Like, thank goodness I got it done. Um, yeah, so I would say... Yeah, just very fortunately uneventful. Yeah, I I was um I was listening to the the astrology podcast, which is a really um I think well known podcast in the astrology community, and something a, a resource that I'm immensely grateful for because I think my initial push to learning astrology really came out of listening to these to this particular podcast which has like almost 500 episodes and is really really technical and educationally focused um but i was listening to their most recent um episode and they did in a a profoundly immensely um detailed um and i think professional job of describing the ways in which this past um, eclipse that occurred on October 14th uh, is really directly linked to um, both the charts of the state of Israel and Hamas. So if anybody's like interested in hearing an astrological breakdown of that conflict, um, that's like very professional and unemotional. And I think, um, thorough, extremely thorough. I'd highly recommend like listening to that, to that podcast because they did an an incredible job. Um, But I think the sort of big takeaway for me, um, listening to that podcast, but then also just sorting through my own head, like, you know, how to link this, what can astrology tell us about what's happening in the world? Because as an astrologer, that's always going to be on my mind for better or worse. Um, but it's that, you know, eclipses, what they do is they reveal pressures underneath the surface that are normally unseen mm-hmm. or unrecognized, mm-hmm. you know. And when we, we could do the work of trying to see them all the time you know, in our normal life when there isn't conflict erupting, erupting, but normally we don't, right? We just are getting through our day. We're just doing whatever we have to do. We're just accepting the, um, the status quo because it's the easiest thing to do. Um, but then eclipse season comes and it basically like cracks the surface and creates this space for all that pressure that's been building or everything that's latent and unseen to create um to make itself known um one way or another and you know this past eclipse happened right as mars mars was involved mars the planet of conflict mars the planet of aggression mars the planet of taking action was crossing over the south node which is um which is loss um, and oftentimes rage. And, um, you know, 
in the sign of Libra, where we're talking about like the accepted social reality. Um, and what we saw was this horrific explosion of violence. And I, you know, all I, all I kept, all I could think about when I, <laughs> as I have been thinking about the astrology in my head for the last couple of months or the last month, and then also listening to this incredible detailed breakdown that they did was it is so hard to fix the past. Mm-hmm. Like it is so hard to fix the past. I mean, it's almost, especially when large groups of people are involved. Um, and to me, it was just like, this is a huge, um, sort of call to make sure that we're doing things correctly and properly and taking everyone into account whenever we begin something new, you know, whenever we're initiating something in our life, because like waiting um, until the moment when it breaks is that's that that's what we usually do right as human beings but it's it's a horrific mess you know to to wait for those for for everything latent to explode through the surface and um and i just think like this eclipse season beginning you know in each of our lives it's like what for the next 18 months are we going to be trying to rebalance, you know, and what have we ignored that's under the surface? Like what social dynamics in our small circles or in our large circles in our families and our communities with amongst our friends, like in our nation, have we ignored and what is like going to be brought to the surface over and over again in this eclipse season and how can we address it? Um, without waiting for the the explosion, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so that's sort of like where my head has been at for um, the last couple of days as I've been thinking, thinking this through and listening to astrologers talk about it. I don't know if that makes sense, but. It does. And it's, it's actually interesting because I haven't been having this from an astrological perspective, but I think I've been kind of moving through the same a similar thought process where I'm thinking about um, what have we prepared for and where would what would we like to prepare for in the future um, because one of the many things that I've felt kind of unsettled and sad about is watching people um, want so badly to help, you know, and want so badly to show up and be of service and help, um, but either feel powerless, like they don't have the ability to do so, or to do so in ways that are, um, you know, very aggressive and probably not doing much to assuage conflict. Um <laughs> Or yeah. um, in ways where they are um, 
really trying to drive their point home um, by sharing information that is not entirely factual or that is not um, or that is being presented in a way that is misleading. Um, and a lot of people that I really respect and that I trust. And so moving through this, watching, you know, it, it was kind of like a, it was a little bit of a, an interesting process to go through watching this all happen. Um, and what I just kept thinking about was like, you know, there are some people in this world who have spent their life preparing for this, right? They have spent their life studying this no they know what this is they have developed the skill set and the resources and the contacts and the mobility to really help um in these specific circumstances and um and then and a lot of us most of us haven't um and it doesn't mean that we don't it right. doesn't mean that we don't care it doesn't mean that we desperately don't want to help and that we don't care it's just that some people are you know have actually prepared to do that and so the, what I was thinking, what I've been thinking about is what would we like to be prepared for in the future? So if right. we're not prepared at this moment to be the person that we want to be for this, who do we want to be in future moments? Right. Yeah, and eclipse seasons are, um, I think, really good um, they're really interesting structures for trying to create change in your life or in your, in, in your person, in your community, because they hit every six months mm -hmm. for 18 months or two years. So you get these sort of like, you get the initiation and then you can expect that those same things are same, same themes are going to come back in six months and they're going to come back again six months later. And so in the context of, you know, violence, war, international conflict, there's not much personally that you can do about in those six month um, intervals, and unless you're an activist and you're participating in, um, I mean, I'm not saying there's nothing you can do, there's mm -hmm. things that people should yeah. can do and fully encourage that. But in terms of like, where, where are these themes hitting your life and your community? Because you are gonna get this period of time to prepare and change for the next time it, it comes around, you know? And um, I think that, you know, I was just, in in my life, for example, I just expressed that I'm not really totally sure where, where this eclipse is, is hitting me, you know? Um, like I have some ideas, but it's not, you know, totally clear. But in other folks' life, I've talked to people who are like, wow, yeah, it's like hitting these themes directly and this part of your life and conflict with this person. And it's like, yeah, you got, you have six months until it comes up again, you know? So you can use that time to prepare and change and be ready for the next surge, you know? Um, that's part of why I like astrology because it gives us like helpful patterns with time. But um but yeah, this, this Libra Aries axis, you know, it's self and others. Um, it is what is our role in the social fabric and the conflict between, um, between those two poles, mm -hmm. you know, 
And, um, and I feel like we can see that in, in exactly what you were just describing, like people wanting to, to help or wanting to have a role to play, but not knowing what that is, you know, and not knowing who to listen to or, or where to find the right resources or the people that can, that are prepared, mm-hmm. you know? So, so yeah, I mean, it's always hard to jump into the current astrology when there's something so absorb ab- absorptive happening in the world, like, um, because it's hard not to just focus on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we get granular into what's happening now, um, there are some really specific themes that are coming up in the next week that are um, that are related, um, that are deeply embedded in conflict. So it's sort of like, how do we how do we parse those themes out when you know obviously there's this big thing happening in the collective. So it's going to be related to that, but then it's also going to be related to us in our own life. And um, what's happening is really centered around the malefics. So we are entering into some Saturn and Mars times. Mm -hmm. And whenever um, Saturn and Mars get highlighted, um, things get more intense. Um, there, there's a con- sort of condensation of struggle, of strife, of boundaries, and um, we have so we have Saturn stationing direct um, in two days on the fourth of November, and at the same time that Saturn is stationing direct, we get Mars resetting his cycle or preparing to reset his cycle, so we get the direct station of Saturn, which is a re-intensification of Saturn and Saturn's work. And it's sort of like putting an exclamation mark on Saturn. Anytime a planet stations direct or retrograde, it's a big emphasis. So what we're going to see is a resurfacing of a bunch of boundaries and obstacles Maybe that we've seen before, maybe that some some of them are new, um, but they're going to be related to Saturn in Pisces. So this is the first direct station of Saturn in Pisces, uh, of which we'll get three um, or four during his whole transit. So what does Saturn in Pisces mean? So Saturn in Pisces is like trying to put boundaries on that which is without boundaries. So um, what are the limits of our feelings? What are the limits of our compassion? What, um, how do we feel boundaried about the communication of our soul? <laughs> um, how do, like, it, it, it has to do with, um, there's a quality with Saturn in, um, in Pisces. Pisces is deep water deep boundaryless oceanic it's a, it's a water sign of like sort of um there's this oceanic boundless quality to it and so we're thinking about like spreading 
with Saturn. So um, difficult things spreading. There's like spreading of like poisons, a poisoning of waters, um, a uh, spreading of misinformation, spreading of lies, spreading like just things seeping out into the collective that are um, difficult, bad, um, poisonous, and then the attempt to sort of draw them back in um, to, to create boundaries for our own safety, but also um, sort of a rising up of, yeah, rising up of obstacles. So that is November 4th. So that's sa- Sunday, right? So that's the beginning of the week, right? <laughs> <laughs> Saturn stationing direct. So it's not all bad because it can also mean sort of like certain, like a feeling of making progress in our Saturnian work, which is slow and, and difficult, mm-hmm. um, but it's still progress. So Saturn can move forward again. Um but, you know, in the lead up, we're getting headlines like, you know, there's no clean water in Gaza or, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, I, I just pulled up the New York Times just because sometimes like the headlines are really um, good indications of what's happening in the astrology. Um, and so, you know, what were they talking about, like uh, fighting over like unmappable underground tunnels, you know, that's like Saturn in Pisces. Like you can't find the structure. You can't find the beginning or the end of something. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like, um, it's, it's marking a beginning of the continuation of, of a struggle. Um, and, so it's not it's not like promising to be an easy week um, <laughs> in any regard, um, but there's something else happening, um, which is very deep and profound, um, but also not easy, which is that Mars is in his own sign of Scorpio with the sun, with um, Mercury. So we're in Scorpio season. Um, and he's preparing to reset his cycle. Um, Mars gets a new cycle um, about starts a new cycle about every two years. Um, Mars has the least predictable, least regular cycle of all of the planets. Um, but he um, he's about to have a conjunction with the sun. And what that means is that Mars is going under the beams um so mars's power his influence um his sort of life force is about to merge with the sun so the sun um in astrology is sort of like the the divine center of everything um so it's a clarification of mars and so that's going to have two effects. We're going to see a huge amount of Mars in the world, right? Because Mars and the sun are coming together and sort of joining their energies. So it feels like conflict is embedded in everything. And there's a quality of Mars that we can't 
get away from. And, and we're seeing that everywhere. You know, there's a war, struggle, arguing amongst people, um, and literal fighting, literal violence, right? But with the clarification of Mars going into the sun, it also gets turned inwards. So it becomes a question of what does it mean? Why are we doing this? What is the nature of conflict? What is it supposed to, what, what role is it supposed to play in our life? Um, where is conflict righteous? Where is it not? Uh, what does it do? What, what, what is it productive? How is it not? Like all of these questions become central and it's a much bigger deal in a way than even the average you know, renewal of the Marcus Mars cycle because it's occurring in Scorpio, the sign that Mars rules, the sign of preparation for conflict, the sign of sort of determination and grit and going all the way and vanquish, like all of that martial energy that is um, associated with military campaigns, that's associated with um, like really any martial effort in the world. Um, all of that is coming under review. It's almost like Mars is going into the sun to get reoriented, to get his, to get his, um, sort of marching orders. So it's like horrible and difficult, but also unreal timing, right? Because the whole world is basically getting forced to come into dialogue with the nature of conflict itself. Um, and it happening on basically we're building up to it. So the actual conjunction is not going to happen for two weeks, but Mars is under the beams now. So it's like this sort of long-term process or this two week long process and it occurring at the exact same time that Saturn is stationing direct. It's the, those two planets are getting highlighted in a major way. Um, so yeah, um, that was a lot of me talking. Um, sorry, I don't have, <laughs> do any you have no, this just sounds horrible. This sounds really bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't have anything yeah. to say just because it sounds bad. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like, it does sound bad, man. I When I was looking, I was just like, this is just, this is not great. Um, but I think the best way to deal with this energy in our own life, right, is to bring these themes down to the level of the personal, you know, and um, what is our relationship to conflict? Um, what is our relationship to making things happen in the world? Mm -hmm. um, I think that's something that's that's coming up. Um, I think coming up a lot in the collective and least and also in my mind, which is like, what is the cost of doing anything? Right. Mm -hmm. That's a martial question. Like 
there is a cost to every action. And um, with Mars in renewing his cycle in the sign that he's the strongest in, um, that's, I mean, that's almost like the question of Scorpio. Like, I've never thought about it that way. But um, what, what does, what do we give up when we put our life in any direction when we put our foot forward to take any action how does it affect everyone around us what do we what do we give up what do we um what's the potential energy cost i guess i i'm probably not saying that correctly mm -hmm. but you know scorpio is a fixed sign and it's sort of known for being um like planful but in a secret way you know <laughs> like um being extremely determined extremely fixed on its goal um like undeterrable um goal oriented because all these traits of mars sort of like doing these background ca calculations and sort of getting focused on a goal and like going for it without ever stopping and um and I think the question that the sun is going to ask is like, okay, you have your goal, you're fixed on it, you're doing that thing. Is it worth it? Mm -hmm. What's the cost? Mm -hmm. And is the goal correct? Mm -hmm. You know, um, does that make sense? It does. I feel as though if we want to engage with this conversation, it's going to ask much of us. Yeah. I guess I just, one of the, I'm trying, this all, I'm trying to not say this very like lofty and very, um, like I know what everyone should be doing because I'm very big on everyone's individuals and everyone has a role to play. And, you know, there's a million different ways that that could and should look. Um, but one of the other things that keeps coming up for me is this idea of moving away from selfishness as the antidote to this conversation as on a personal level. Um, because what we, the way that we often, um, because conflict is just inherently about the self, even if it, you're fighting, yeah. even if you're fighting for other people, um, even if you are, uh, like fighting for something bigger, even if it's correct, don't get me wrong, like even if you're perspective and what you believe and what you're trying to say is true and valid and real in the world um you know it's really really hard to um have any kind of position that isn't you know very much focused on yourself and your projections of other people's experiences and realities based on how you imagine it would be for you um, you know, your projections of how you think the world should be and how you think the world should work 
and what you think other people should be doing or should have done. And again, it doesn't mean that you're not correct. Um, but it's kind of thinking about how are you, how do we address this conflict within ourselves between the selflessness and the selfishness, especially when what our goal is, is to help people, right? Like when we're concerned about people and we're worried about people and we're worried about the world and we want to show up and help, how do you do that in a way that is not, you know, inherently about you <laughs> and how you yeah. things should be and how you think the world should be? Um, so, you know, and, and, and the reason that I said that this is a big task is that... Um, it, we have so many kind of wounds, you know, and patterns and things that we're already trying to heal from. And um, especially, you know, certain subgroups of, of our society, so especially women, for example, we are going to be overly <laughs> conscientious about being selfish, right? We're going to say, oh, no, I can't you know, I don't want to take too much action or take too much space or do too many things. And so when you tell this group of people, don't be selfish, they're immediately going to find all the million ways that they've been selfish. Right. <laughs> and you're like, this is not, this, that's not exactly the conversation that we're having to have. In fact, in many ways, um, it would be great if you took up more space, if you were more assertive, if you were given more, if you were um, asking for more or feeling less guilty about when you had to ask for more. Um, so it's just a very, very, it's a very nuanced and very challenging conversation to have just within ourselves, just within ourselves yeah. and about ourselves. How do we find that balance between um, acknowledging the ways that we are selfish and that we want to uh, reorient that and change that? And what ways are we overly you know, centering other people in our lives and other ideas in our lives and making ourselves small and making ourselves uh, unheard because we've been told a million times in a million ways <laughs> that we must yeah. do that to be acceptable, to be liked, to survive um, in our society. Right. So um, when I say it's it's heavy work, like that's what I mean, is finding that balance and exploring that balance and moving into those places, um, where, where do we, how do we land with that? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's, um, not only is it difficult, um, work that the skies are asking us to do, <laughs> it's rare, dude. Like there's been two conjunctions of the sun and mars in scorpio in over 100 years hmm. like this is not um there's an extremely rare astrological pattern that's happening um at a, a very specific moment um and i yeah like i like you said it's asking a lot of us and I don't I don't really know what the best way to approach it is you know and um I think that 
if I just if I just look at the significations of the signs, you know, of, of the symbols, you know, Mars being um, sort of the the forward momentum of the ego, um, Mars being conflict because it's taking action for the self. Um, and Mars also being valor and sort of doing things for righteous purposes, Mars being protection, um, Mars being having a, uh, pursuing a skill, like a really specific skill that's Mars, um, just trying to throw out everything that's mm-hmm. martial, right? Um, and then in Scorpio, Scorpio being the pursuit of a fixed goal, um, Scorpio being things that are hidden, um, Scorpio being a ter- as a terrain that's difficult to navigate, um, full of um, full of booby traps, like full of every full of things that could harm you. You know, like Scorpio is this like as as a place as a as all of the zodiac signs are you know, could, could be imagined as like kingdoms or locations that we have to navigate. Scorpio is a tricky, um, difficult terrain that requires careful planning and careful action or, or a perfected skill set to navigate through, mm-hmm. you know, Scorpio is also difficult to change. Like Scorpio mm-hmm. doesn't like to change. Mm-hmm. It wants to stay on a fixed trajectory and it wants to be really focused. So what what does it mean to pull all of those things into question? <laughs> to say, okay, let's let's try to start over on this. So I my like when I just kind of think about it intuitively for most people, it's not like a conscious journey that you're going to have to go down. And probably it might, and it could just be like a month of triggers, Um, maybe about identity, you know, maybe about politics, maybe about um, ethics, but also probably about your personal relationships, um, your personal resources, just kind of uh, fighty, you know, like 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 a little bit of a caged animal vibe yeah fighty and anxious for sure fighty and anxious um but if you wanted to and you felt like you had the space to um kind of move into it um in an intentional way it might be interesting to uh try to turn the conflict in on the parts of yourself that feel very rigid and feel mm. very um, defensive, you know, so turning some of that focus inward. And if you're, and I'm not trying to say don't take any action, especially if, you know, like be involved, be involved in the world, do the best you can. Don't let perfect be the enemy of good, you know, don't do things until when they're perfect because that will never happen. Um, but also, you know, refine some of the 
place that you're coming from so that you can do that better later. Um, and a really, really good way of doing that is um, taking advantage of windows like this where you're going to discover things about yourself like, oh, I guess that really bothers me, you know, because we're going to lose some of the buffers between um, ourselves and the world and the world is going to hit us and we're going to have a big reaction. And so if we can kind of take note of those reactions, how we reacted, what we were feeling, who we were mad at, what we hopefully don't say, but wanted to say. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of, it, it'll, it could reveal a lot of clues about um, where we're at, uh, the things that we are carrying within ourselves that are often dormant, that maybe we don't want to be um, expressing in the world, yeah. carrying for ourselves, even if we don't, you know, even if we have a pretty good, you know, means of managing them most of the time, maybe we decide, I don't want to be, I don't want to have this anymore. Um, but, and it also could do the opposite. It could also make you feel like, oh, this is something I really care about. This is something that I wish I had more of in my life or something that I wish I was doing more of in my life. So if you want to use this little one, I mean, again, you don't have to. If you're already pressed, then you're just, you know, you can also just survive this window. Yeah, just, just, but... su just survive and try not to have too many conversations. <laughs> I guess that would be that. Yeah. If you're pressed yeah. in this window, just try not to fight with people if you can avoid it. But I also feel like if you feel like a big call to change something in your life or to go in a different direction on something, um, whether that's like a deep psychological um, something like you're changing your whole orientation toward a relationship to something which is kind of more like what we're normally talking about, like deeper inner work, but also like a project you're working on. It just depends on where it's hitting your chart, you know, a, a relationship. It's a, it's a time to listen to the, to that desire to shift patterns or to shift projects or to, to make changes and not necessarily to make the change mm -hmm. um, immediately, but to listen to what that is and then look for opportunities over the next two years during this Mars cycle um, to make sense of where you, what direction you want to go in. I mean, I personally think that Mars resetting his cycle in Scorpio is probably an indication of Mars being quite strong and present in everyone's life over the next two years. Um, I'm not saying that means like there's going to be you know, massive global conflict that I, I'm not one of these, like we're going into World War Three people by any means, like that's not what I mean. But like Mars is starting a new cycle in a very strong place and getting some very clear direction mm -hmm. um, and getting a job, you know, like yeah. when Mars goes mm -hmm. to the beams, uh, goes, goes to meet God in the sun, you know, like I always think of the... Um, the sun conjunction to another planet as sort of that planet going to meet with the Paramatman or the highest God, you know, and getting sort of this, this clarification process, but then also receiving 
um, like getting your orders, you know, for the next two years, you're going to work on this, you know, like it's sort of a silly image, but you know, like God handing a scroll over to Mars and saying like, Oh, here's, here's your new, you know, your new mission or whatever. And so if you can sort of imagine that in your life, the, the martial part of your life, both Scorpio and your natal Mars, they're getting sort of like a, a, a reassignment, you know? Mm-hmm. And so if you feel a call to shift something in the way that you are taking action in the world on a specific project, um, on the way that you enter into conflict with others, the way that you um, sort of push your ego for better or worse, like into the world, listen to that because over the next two years, you might be trying to implement that change. Um, and like, you know, I try, I went back and looked, so there's only been two, like I said, two other um, conjunctions of the sun and Mars and Scorpio in the last hundred years. And so the last one was 1991 and corresponded pretty, pretty keenly with the breakup of the Soviet Union. Um, and, and I thought that was kind of interesting, like, this, like, that's like, a whole power structural structure dissolving, and all these new power structures sort of cropping up, like a total reorganization of an entity that is like, ha- was very fixed for a very long period of time, you know, and I'm not saying there's going to be a repeat of that by any means, because these, you know, these patterns get taken up by the world and, you know, expressed differently every time. But to me, that indicated like a big opportunity for a lot of change, you know, and change is chaotic and messy you know, a lot of the time. So it could be a difficult two years adapting to whatever comes up, but it could be really worth it, you know, to, to consider. Um, so yeah, like, like Tess said, and, uh, is worth repeating. doesn't necessarily mean there's anything we have to do this month. Um, but it's definitely worth, it's definitely worth considering. And it's also worth mentioning that all of this is happening in opposition to Uranus. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I know as if we couldn't make it more dramatic. Um, But yeah, Uranus uh, is a planet of disruption. Um, He's currently in Taurus, which is the, the polarity of Scorpio. Um, so essentially all of this is just getting like a big jolt of energy, Shakti power from Uranus, which is very difficult to control. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, we have to just sort of, there has to be some aspect of surrender personally, because it's very difficult to always, um, you can't always catch Uranus. You know, we'd like to imagine that we could like direct Uranus's power. <laughs> like we're like Zeus or something, like, like throwing Benjamin, light. Like bolts. Benjamin Franklin with the kite and the key. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very difficult to do that. So 
Um, so yeah, like make some space for yourself, um, make your, make some space to like, just pay attention to what comes up to pay attention to where you're being led and think of it as like a two year process. Um, not a one week process. Um, I actually, so, feel, I don't know if this is totally misguided, but I, I actually feel pretty positive about the two year Mars situation i don't remember the technical term you called it but because so i feel like as for the past few years so much of what we've been experiencing is like this stuckness like Mm -hmm. kind of like stagnation and trying to move forward and then trying to figure out what we want to do but then still not really being able to like land and hit the ground and so i'm i'm really looking forward to a lot of people having opportunities over the next two years um, to do things in the world. You know, I, I know that it's not all going to be good, but it's not all going to be bad either. Like there's going to be people that have, you know, innovation. There's going to be new, positive things that people are discovering that people are able to do. We're going to be able to start new projects. There's going to be momentum that I feel like a lot of us have kind of really felt the lack of over the last couple years in our lives and um yeah no I I don't I don't think it's misguided at all I think I think that's exactly correct and a point that I was hoping that we would come around to because a strong Mars can create havoc for sure and we we see that in in the world We, we always see the most dramatic manifestations of the planets in the news, right? For Mm -hmm. better or worse, the worst it could possibly be or the best it could possibly be. Mm -hmm. But that's to me just sort of like an indication of almost like the neutrality of planetary power where it's like the collective is a mess. You know, the collective is going to take that and easily take take up that power and easily turn it into a mess but we don't have to in our own lives you know we can take that power and turn it into progress for ourselves progress for our communities um for our families for our children you know we can choose to do it differently and a really strong mars it just gives you energy gives you um opportunities it gives you force so my hope is that you know we can take some time to correct our own goals our own sort of martial force in the world and say you know look at what we've been using putting our energy toward and say like is this worth the cost and if it's not try to shift it and if it is keep going you know And to also just have, to make peace with the reality that to do anything in this world, there is a cost to it, you know? And that's, it's unavoidable. Um, So just getting really clear on like what it is that's worth doing. Um, (laughs) I say that like it's so easy, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. I think, I think, that you're correct to say that there's going to be a lot of opportunity, a lot more opportunity in the next two years than there has been in the past four, 
years, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. Um, I think the next two months, and we'll talk about this, you know, we're going to try to do this podcast weekly, guys. <laughs> How crazy is that? Um, <laughs> we could talk about it week by week. I think that the rest of the year is going to be a little bit more anxiety ridden yeah. than it has been so far. But I think that we're all going to sort of bounce back in um, January and February. So um, that's what I've been saying. Like a- yeah. I've, I've been seeing that exact thing. It's like it's a weird it's kind of funny that the new year is going to rein in this shift because usually that is kind Doesn't of arbitrary up, yeah. timeline, you know, so it's not like, oh, the new year, everything's going to change, except for this year, it actually will. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm, what I, what's happening for the circles that I'm communicating with is a lot of people feeling as though um, their opportunities have run out. Mm. So like everything is, whether that's like relationships or resources or, um, you know, career opportunities, whatever it is, it feels kind of like, oh, we've done as much as we're going to do and there's not more coming and it, it feels very uncertain and like kind of like the future is very, very uncertain or like there is no future almost um, and this is it. And so I I just think I just wanted to tell everyone that because I feel like it'll be helpful to know that you're not alone if you're feeling that way and that it's not real if you're feeling that way, that, you know, it's coming back, that the optimism and the kind of um, being able to look around and say, oh, no, I could do this or I could do this or this could come through for me or this is going to be fine. That feeling is going to return in January. So just try not to worry too too much over the next few months about the future yeah yeah i agree i think that um i see a lot of anxiety in the skies for the next six weeks eight weeks um i think a lot of that has to do with mars and mercury are going to be sort of like tailing each other and you know we'll get into this more but when mars and mercury are together there's a lot of fighting there's a lot of you know verbal conflict but then there's also sort of like mental anguish right like mars pierces creates heat um creates tension conflict and when that's applying to mercury which is our mental facilities our our mind the way that we think the way that we talk it kind of permeates the way we're looking at everything because there's just this sort of tension and negativity that like pervades our thought process we were talking about this the other day offline (laughs) um about how like you were saying that it looks like there's going to be a lot of anxiety about money in my life and other people's lives like just there's like this pervasive financial anxiety and how like in the world i think that when when there's like anxious skies that can just like everyone can feel worried about their finances because it's just it's a tangible thing to attach that worry to because we need it so desperately in our culture you know we have to have money to to live to survive you know Mm -hmm. so it just becomes this thing that like even if it's not real we just attach this pervasive uh, amorphous anxiety to it um but yeah i don't I think it will have an end. Um, I think we'll, I think we'll bounce back. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, it's also worth saying that, um, so this weekend, um, on the same day as a Saturn station on Sunday, we also get a Mercury-Uranus opposition. Wait, what day is that? So Sunday. Okay. Wait, so it's the same be- Sunday where everything else happens? <laughs> okay. <Well. laughs> There's the Sunday, which is um, this Sunday, November 4th. That's the Saturn station. Okay. And Mars isn't actually going to conjoin the sun until the 17th, but he's going to be really close to the sun for the whole two weeks leading up to it, which is almost worse because mm-hmm. it's the buildup, the tension to that reset. Um, but then Sunday we get Saturn stations direct and Mercury opposes Uranus. So it's like that just like an obstacle arises, like a very profound obstacle. And then we all argue about it or feel anxiety. <laughs> so <laughs> so we can expect that Sunday, Monday, maybe even Saturday are going to kind of suck. Um But the thing about Saturn in Pisces that I like is that, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a super creative transit because Pisces isn't really a place where we should have a lot of rules and boundaries. So Saturn is a planet of rules and boundaries and structure. Pisces is the you know the unconscious collective like all of our feelings all of our you know creative pursuits the way that we relate to each other like everything that's intangible is sort of a lot of what is intangible in our life belongs in pisces so when saturn's there (laughs) it can be a mess right like you you get into these quagmire is a good word i think for saturn and in pisces like getting stuck in the mud like not having a clear path not having um like regular access that you would expect um you know all of this there's like a a lot of flooding metaphors just like everything is flooded with muck you know that's the negative part but then the positive part is sort of like there isn't an obvious way that the the rules are supposed to play out. So it's also an opportunity to imagine a new or different world. Like imagine new rules, like imagine rules that haven't existed before, like, mm-hmm. uh, like sort of recreatively restructure things. So this, the direct station of Saturn is also an opportunity to continue um, reimagining how our world should be structured um and then depending on where it falls in your chart um you know that'll give you some more specific direction like for me pisces is my fourth house of home and interestingly like i've traveled a huge amount for me um i don't travel a lot in my life but um I traveled throughout June, I traveled over the summer, I traveled for the whole month of October. And um, that was pretty much the whole Saturn retrograde cycle, like um, Saturn stationed retrograde in June, and is now stationing direct. So for me, that whole period of time, uh, I wasn't, I was not home enough to really get my home life in order, you know, like, 
I feel like my home has been a little bit an upheaval. I don't have my normal routines. I don't have, I haven't been cooking my normal food. I haven't like been feeling like supported by my home structure. And, you know, my travel's finally over and I'm back home. Saturn is stationing direct, right? So I'm like, I'm jumping back into the home space and I'm like, what can I do to make this more supportive to my life? Like, how can I restructure my routines and my space to support me? And like, probably Sunday, like the pipes will break or like, you know, the, the fucking ceiling will cave in or something like really annoying will happen. Um, But it's also an opportunity to get back to the work of making my space more supportive. So there's like usually like a positive opportunity that like comes with the difficulty. Um, But it's, it is very possible that the Uranus Mercury opposition that's happening at the same time might just make our feelings about it all a little bit more dramatic. Yeah. Yeah, That was my, I was talking to um, Monique the other day about the hyperbole of our inner world, like how it communicates (laughs) to us. Yeah. Whether that's like, you know, in spiritual experiences or psychedelic experiences or emotional experiences, it tends to be like, this is the most biggest, best, or most devastating thing (laughs) ever. It's, you know, and I feel like the, um, the Mercury Mars Uranus situation might just make that even more so. So it might be a good window of time to not uh, not only try not to initiate conflict with other people, but also take your own... <laughs> take a vow of silence. <laughs> well, no, take a vow of silence to, on Sunday. <laughs> to take your own thoughts with a grain of salt. Just be like, wow. Yeah. That's a big thought. That's a big thing to feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it, it's I think it's especially dramatic in Scorpio because like Scorpio so like has so much to do with our deep psychology and like our deep emotions that we don't the difficult things inside of us that we don't want to look at that we hide. So then it's like feeling that part is exploding and it just feels even bigger. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I would like say I'm really looking forward to Scorpio season being over, but then we just get a <laughs> we get a Mercury retrograde in Sagittarius, which is like so sad because I'm Sagittarius rising and I don't I don't want that to happen. But um yeah, you know, let's just get to let's get to Aquarius season. Let's let's skip three sun signs ahead and then I think we'll all feel better. <laughs> I think, I mean, my plan is just to kind of try to have like a quiet holiday season, like very, very low expectations. What, what's that? Do I not get to do that? (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. I was thinking about how like we probably shouldn't jump ahead of the holidays since we have to like do this every week. But at the same time, I think we should, we should give because this is right when people start giving holiday like start making holiday yeah, plans. Yeah, this you is know? kind of why I'm thinking like, about. Don't it. plan anything for our holidays. Like, don't do anything. Don't go anywhere. Don't 
So I your know, family, like, this is going to sound really, this might sound very sad, but I feel as though if you will, if you have like very solid plans or expectations for the holidays and how they should go, how you want, it might be like a very disappointing holiday season. Yeah, it might like um, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I feel pretty confident that, I mean, even when you did the year ahead, um, a lot, so Tess and I have been doing a year ahead uh, like astrology talk for the last couple of years. And this year I was like, I, I remember specifically we were like, wow, the holidays look insane. Like, <laughs> just don't do anything. Like, I remember thinking like, it, it's like, it just looks like everyone is mad, but in an absurd, like almost inexpressible way. Yeah. You know, like everyone's sh- throwing like Shakespearean insults like at each other upside down, like in a bubble. Like, I don't know. It just looks absurd and stupid and like not even worth the energy of the conflict that will arise. Yeah. So especially for the moms out there, this is don't overextend yourself. Don't try not to if you're kids are sad it's not your fault it's not because you didn't do enough um buy pre-made meals this is like the this is like one of these years where it's like let's just break all of our traditions and eat frozen pizza that will be disappointing (laughs) just to be clear it will still be disappointing but like whatever so (laughs) it's like there's gonna be so many so many holiday seasons so many christmases so many hanukkahs so many like Thanksgivings like just doesn't matter like just 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 fuck this one just don't yeah just just try to like keep it mellow just don't even you know if something good happens that day just be like oh that was great you know if you can extend the holiday into the surrounding days maybe break it up do a little something on each day um that's always helpful to try to (laughs) smooth out the pressure of any one day um I mean, and who yeah. knows, you know, it could be, it could hit your chart, you know, beautifully. Who knows? Maybe for some of you, it'll just be like, I don't know, this was the best holiday season ever. Chrissy just made a face that says no. <laughs> but you never know. You never know. I'm trying to be optimistic. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. Um, I think that, yeah, I mean, on that note, we're back, guys. <laughs> we're back. <laughs> back to deliver some really shitty news no um it's not bad news it's just a bad week and followed by maybe five more bad weeks and then good weeks yeah and and again it kind of depends on where it's hitting your individual chart i don't think it's going to be catastrophic it might just be like very intense in very specific places um yeah but they will not last forever because nothing lasts forever and everything. Yeah, and your life not falling apart is just briefly annoying. Mm-hmm. It's cold and sad. Yes. Potentially. Potentially. Um, do you mind if we talk a little bit about our gift packages before we end today? Oh, no, no, no. So Tess Speaking has of been the like... Holidays. <laughs> I'm just going to shut up and let Tess talk about this because she has like really thought this through in a beautiful way. Um, we've been talking about doing this for a long time, but um, but she has taken the initiative to actually make it happen, which is wonderful. So, so um, this year, uh, Christina and I are going to be offering um, 
like gift packages for readings and I've purchased some really beautiful cards and written some things up that we'll put inside so we can send out personalized gifts if you'd like to buy a reading as a gift for anyone um, and we'll offer our individual reading but the exciting thing is that we're also going to be offering um, and this doesn't necessarily have to be for a gift this will I'm hoping we'll just continue to offer indefinitely but we're going to do joint readings together um, and so the one that, yeah, so the one that we're going to do is going to be for the 2024 year, or at least that's what we'll suggest doing, because that way we'll be able to look at a 12-month cycle for you or for someone that you love. And uh, Chrissy, what, what we've done in the past, because usually we do this, we've done this the past couple of years together about just collective stuff, is that um, Chrissy will give me this this looks like what do you think this looks like what do you think this window of time looks like and then i'll describe how i'm seeing it and she'll say like oh that's really interesting because it looks like this this and this and so between combining our powers we're able to <laughs> really kind of pinpoint and get some really specific things um so i'm really excited about that because it's really fun to do this with you as well right yeah, so like I'll basically read your chart, but then Tess can see these like amazing specifics that I can't pull out of the astrology. And it's really cool because um, astrology is really good at timing. Mm-hmm. Um, Tess is really good at details. So um, it's sort of like a, su- it's almost like a supercharged uh, version of what either of us can do on our own, you know, when we combine our forces. So yeah, like. It's going to be super fun. Tess and I talked about maybe like trying to bring someone on the show and doing like a live mm-hmm. um, like joint reading for someone on the podcast. Um, I don't know if anyone actually would really want to do that, but um, I think it would be fun and it would be a good example for people to see um, what that kind of reading could look like. Um but yeah, we can we can explore that further as time goes on. Yeah. If we have any volunteers. <laughs> I'm sure. We if we don't, we'll just start. If we don't, what I'm going to ask you to do is look at the people in our circles chart and be like, whose chart looks real interesting next year? And then we're going to reach out to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Thank you for doing that test and for thinking about through while I was traveling. Um, I'm really excited for that. Like doing a reading with you sounds so much more fun than just doing it by myself. So yay. Um, and thanks for talking to me and for going on this podcast journey and we will resume again next week, yeah? Yeah, thank you for jumping into it so quickly after you got home from your big travels. And um, uh, for anyone here that doesn't know us, uh, I can be found at innercurrents.com if you want to know more about my work. And I was going to do your website first and then immediately forgot what your website is. So if you want to go ahead and give your website. <laughs> oh, yeah, I am um, at skiesofgrace.com. So yeah, you can find me there. You can book readings there. My calendar can be found there. And yeah, I hope to, yeah, do this again soon.